0: gyro nation metal welcome back everyone this is jeff with gyro nation metal canadian thrashers crimson caliber will be releasing their newest ep destined for delusion on november 3rd just three days after the release of this episode once again my friend travis Malley, guitarist and vocalist of crimson caliber joins me for another episode of gnm welcome back travis it's good to see you again man
1: yeah it's great to see you and i'm really stoked to be able to sit down and have a chat again
0: been a while like last year we chatted just before loud as hell so just over a year here but i've had the pleasure of seeing a couple times both times at loud as hell who put on some of your favorite sets this year oh man there was a lot when i made my list i really had to like i trimmed a couple really good ones off
1: of it obviously jungle rot was tops for me although my fucking glasses got broken during (laughs) jungle rot so that was kind of a bummer but there's still tops in my list um The homies Juliet Ruin from Edmonton. I really, really dug their set. Uh, And another standout for me this year that I'd never seen before
0: was Volt. I guess they're from Fort McMurray. Yeah, they're pretty sick. Um, I really enjoyed them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like I knew they were a thrash band and I wanted to play with them, but we never really got the opportunity. And this is my first chance to see them. So I took it and I did not regret going to see them.
0: There were a lot of different bands that kind of killed it for me, especially some of the first-time acts that I had never seen. Like, Necht was really good. I really, like you said, enjoyed Bolt. Art of Attrition was one of my tops, for sure.
1: Okay, yeah. I think I caught Art of Attrition uh, just a little while back. They are fucking unreal.
0: I found it really hard to choose when to go back to camp and, and yeah. whether make my meal or have a drink or anything like that. It's like I always wanted to be at the stage.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, with the lineups so was stacked like it was this year. I mean, it's crazy. And all the international talent that came through, like, you almost feel guilty missing a couple sets at camp, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We tried to do as many quick trips as we could. So I would miss only a few songs yeah. and try to head back right away. There were a couple times I did lose track of time, but... I find it harder and harder now that I'm getting involved with more of the bands and more of the people in La To because you're trying to distribute your time, I guess, between the people yeah. that you know and the music that you want to see. Totally, got to budget your time.
1: You got to see all the people you want to see, and yeah, then you got to see all the bands you want to see. I was trying to make like a little mini documentary that I ended up uploading on YouTube. So I'm trying to get photos and videos of all the bands on top of you know socializing with everybody, which is important to us. And that was a time-lapse video, correct? Uh, it's like a little mini documentary, like about 25 minutes. There is a couple time-lapses in it.
0: Mm. Yeah. For me, one of the biggest changes at Loudest Hell, and I'm sure this was something big for you as well, was just where the stage was located. It allowed for there to be more shade and more shelter. So it seemed like the crowd was always full.
1: Yeah, totally. On that right side where there's those trees, you can. there's always some shade over there, no matter what time of the day it is. So, yeah, I found myself sitting over there in the shade, you know,
0: eating my pancakes and stuff <laughs> like that. And then you're ready to get back in the sun a little bit after that. And it seemed like a lot more organized with just where the entrance to the venue was. Like, it, it seemed a lot more controlled. And then you had the merch area that was separate from the venue or sorry the stage area which i thought was a great way to control traffic but also increase the amount of people you could bring in there
1: yeah it was smart i mean last year was the first year they had the outdoor stage so they obviously were figuring out a few of the logistical things they needed to, and they
0: yeah like you said they seem to get it right this year totally And it seems like they have the ability to open that up even further if they have to move the stage a little bit further from the building, if the fest gets a lot bigger. They're setting themselves up for success, and I think that Jeff and team did a great job again.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, back when it used to be inside the building, the one thing that I miss, besides the constant shade, is they, they used to have bleachers. And like... You could just get your food and sit on the bleachers and or chill and watch the bands from the bleachers. That's my one thing. I wish there was just a little bit more seating, you know, like actual seating. I know they tried it with like the hay bales and stuff last year and like I don't think any like a few people sat on them because they were right out in the sun and stuff, right? But uh, who knows, maybe that's something like something with a covering, like an some kind of an awning where the people can sit under. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the benches and the hay bales were a great idea as well, except the downside is heading out and you can't really see the band, but there were a few times like I just wanted to kind of see the crowd and how they were reacting to the band and just watch everything as a whole, which was also really cool. Like during Jungle Rod, I had to take a a few moments just to sit down because it was so intense and well, a few other bands as well. And it just seemed like everyone, it was, there was so much energy there. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. They, know, how to throw a metal show. That's for sure. Now, jumping into Crimson Calibre, so some listeners may not be aware that your lineup has changed a little. The band is fully back together, but there was a time when you weren't quite complete. So what went into finding a new drummer? And is Nate brought on permanently, or was that still uh, something temporary? He is a full member of Crimson Calibre going forward. Awesome. He's our drummer.
1: Um, That's a great question. I mean, obviously, you put out the you put the bat signal in the air that, Hey, we're looking for a new guy. And I mean, we, we had a little bit of interest here and there. We tried out a couple guys and it wasn't, it wasn't really a fit. And then it was just out of the blue. Nate like recorded like himself playing about five of our songs or something like that, just recorded videos and sent it to us out of the blue one day. And I took, you know, five minutes to sit down and have a serious watch through and, you know, I was impressed and he was living in the hat at the time and he had a, his own practice space just ready for us to go and yeah, we went in and I think we just played like what he knew the first, the first couple times and yeah, it was a good fit. Initially, it was just to cover a few shows here and there and I think I asked him like, you know, do you just want to be a full member? And he said yeah and yeah, it worked out well. I'm pretty happy about how things worked out.
0: You said that there were a couple people that didn't really make the cut. So what were some of the things that made you choose to go in a different direction?
1: When someone's not committing and they're not, I mean, obviously they should probably try to show me that they're interested in it and that they want to actually be a member of this band and contribute to the project. If they're not doing that, you can't really go forward with that person, I guess.
0: That was the case with one of them. Well, Especially because it's your band. It's not like you're joining their band.
1: Yeah. The other one was, buddy, like we we had a time, we were going to meet for the first time. He seemed like a good guy, a good, good drummer. He was uh, a few years older than us, so more, uh, more on the adult side of things, I guess. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden he got a job out of town and he had to leave. And so we never even ended up really meeting him. So, yeah.
0: You said that Nate was living in the, in the hat there. So now is, has he moved? Yeah. He's a full-time resident of Calgary now. Oh, nice. Not so much for the band, of course, cause you guys now are three hours away. <laughs> it does represent somewhat of a logistical challenge,
1: getting us together, practices, recording is going to be interesting.
0: In the future if he's committed though he'll make the he'll make the trek and i'm sure that you guys can either meet up somewhere in between or do something like remote practicing well we've we've traveled to calgary and practiced at the space that he had no
1: he's no longer there so we're not able to do that and we've he's traveled down here and we've practiced actually in my mom's garage so like we can still cobble together practices it's not too too far and obviously just the guy that Nate is, the technical know-how and how committed he is to all of the projects he gets involved in, I'm not worried about it. You know, he's hes a great guy and he's, like I said, he's committed. So I'm not worried about anything. We're getting a practice in right here.
0: I'm not too familiar with Nate. What other music musical projects is he currently involved with? Um, all I know
1: he's filling in or that might be a permanent... He might be a permanent addition on this project as well, but Balrogath, mm-hmm. uh, and he has his own band. Uh, oh, this is, no, no hope for the lost. Okay, he's gonna kill me if I get this wrong. Yeah, no hope <laughs> for the lost is actually his project that he started. He's been in a ton of projects. He played bass for Nuclear Oath back in the day. Um, yeah. There's probably like five or six others.
0: I guess part of the challenge was making sure that you had somebody who was experienced but was also willing to learn your your music, whether it be the older stuff and some of the stuff you are going to be releasing here soon.
1: Yeah, totally, and especially because I never like I knew he could play drums, but I didn't know him as a drummer. And then when he just hit us with those messages or er, videos out of the blue, I was just like, "Okay, damn, this guy can play," and yeah.
0: At the time of this recording, we have, you guys have a couple shows lined up on September 15th and 16th with Hooker Spit and Raising the Ruins in Medicine Hat and Lethbridge respectively. Are you planning a tour or more shows after the release of the new EP?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, We're doing something in Edmonton actually around Halloween and uh, a few other things lined up. I know the EP releases November 3rd. So yeah, we're definitely going to be doing like a big EP release show. We're probably going to be the last band and we're going to pick a few of our friends and have them support us. It, yeah, could just be a one off show, could be part of another little mini tour. Like, that's what I'm calling this back to back run. I'm calling it a little mini tour. And I'm so stoked about it, by the way, too, because we're great friends with Raising the Ruins. Obviously, they're from the Hat as well. We've known them for fucking ever. And Hooker Spit, they're great friends of ours as well. And I've been wanting to play with those guys for a couple of years now. So the fact that we get to do back-to-back shows with the same three bands, no change in the lineup from the show in the hat to Lethbridge. It's just going to be rad. It's going to be a good old time with the boys.
0: That'll be pretty fun. Hopefully you guys can set something up where you guys do a little bit more than just a couple shows.
1: Yeah, actually, I was speaking to Brendan from Raising the Runes about that. I was like, damn, I wish we could have, you know, had been on this tour a little bit more but yeah that's uh the future's wide open so we're definitely going to be doing a
0: longer run now this is your third EP and it's scheduled for release on November 3rd and you've made some difficult decisions in part due to the happenings within the band originally you also had some other ideas including a cover a remake of an older song and an instrumental song i know you've had this artwork is well planned since at least last year's loud as hell, since I picked up the <laughs> sticker and currently have it in my locker. Has the title remained yeah. the same? Yeah, the title of the EP
1: remained the same. It it was just originally we had it slotted as a full length and yeah, we just had to kind of pivot on the fly and change our plans a little bit. And, you know, I'm still really happy because all of the basically all of the, the original material Not like, you know, the cover and the remake of an older song. All of that stuff is still within the five songs that we're releasing on the EP. So yeah, and it's just shy of 20 minutes. So it actually is a fairly decent length for an EP, I think. Coming in, I think it's like 1942 or something runtime. So just shy of 20 minutes.
0: For you guys, what went into making the cut for specific songs?
1: Uh We had these
0: ones done
1: and the production, he was ahead on these ones. So it was important for me to get these ones because they're the meat and potatoes of the release.
0: I read on one of your posts that the theme was kind of in line with the previous one, except this one is predominantly blue where the last one is red. So how else does a theme of the new EP relate to your previous albums? And are there any themes, whether lyrically or art direction wise that are completely different from Covenant Tyrannus?
1: Yeah, tons of different themes. Um, I think I said earlier in terms of color, we love to just pick a different uh, color as our color scheme And sometimes it has to do with the mood of the album, like this one, a little bit uh, more of a somber tone, a little bit, not to use the word depressing, but uh, like a little more serious, I suppose, with our topics and stuff like that, that we're delving into with Destined for Delusion, Uh, you know, a lot of stuff dealing with mental illness and, you know, yeah, there. I think I said this in a uh, post as well like there's no party tracks on this release. The blue tone kind of is of the of the cover really helps to show that I think.
0: What are some of the musical elements that you wanted to focus on more this time around and how did you want the EP to remain consistent with your debut album and the previous two releases?
1: It's a great question. I mean, I wanted to do something a little more mid tempo, a little more like I wanted to explore a little bit more of the lows, which comes relates back to the uh, concept of the album, I think. Uh, it's kind of like if Covenant Tyrannus was raining blood, then this would kind of be like Seasons in the Abyss, if you're a Slayer fan.
0: And clearly you are. We chatted about that last time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're thinking of your color scheme and how it relates to the album itself or the release itself, you said like this one is a little bit more depressive and that's one of the reasons you chose blue. So is it when you're writing, is it basically how you're feeling as you're going through the writing process and making those songs? Or is it something that isn't necessarily reflected in your personal life?
1: I think it's always reflected in my personal life. It's what I'm interested in at the time, combined with just whatever is floating around in my head that I think might be interesting, right? Um, I think this one we did for ourselves. You know, I. It's just so easy to talk about all the things that thrash bands commonly talk about. You know. The post-apocalyptic stuff, totalitarianism, which is some of our most common themes in our music. But on this one, I wanted to maybe talk about the human experience, experience a little bit more, delve into the human mind a little bit more. What makes us tick? I actually wrote some notes. like Mankind's toxic need to always push the needle one notch too far our need to be better than each other instead of cooperate. And I think that's part of the human experience that it's instinct to be competitive, you know? Yeah. Another one is pursuing fleeting moments of joy only to find emptiness, always trying to hit that next level and next level. And then once you get there, you know, what was all of it for? It's you just kind of have an empty feeling, almost
0: bittersweet. Well, that's just it. A lot of the joy comes from the challenge, and when you do reach yeah. certain levels, some people are just insatiable in that regard. They don't, they don't really have a sense of purpose, or they want to keep going because it's just un, not enough.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's never enough, you know. Whether you want the house, or you want the, you know, you want your bank account to be full. You want the woman. You want. To release, your, you want to go on tour, you want to release a big album, and then when you do it, it's never enough. You're always trying to hit that next level.
0: In a way, I can see that as being like addicting in a way, because you, you have that, well, a huge dopamine rush, obviously, and you're seeing what you can do. So since you get a sense of that, it's something that a lot of people just chase.
1: 100%, 100%. We see that, you know, it's part of our culture. You look at the celebrities and what do they say? fucking grind and I, i'm a billionaire or millionaire or whatever because i did this this and this you know and like <laughs> destined for delusion
0: it's interesting me to me how a lot of people that have that mindset they don't quite understand how some people just don't want that they think that everybody always wants to be on the grind or continue doing better but sometimes i mean some of the most satisfaction I have in my life is my wife and daughter and it's really nice for me just to be at home and to relax with them 100 percent. that's where the joy in our lives comes from you know that's the people close to you
1: yep for sure and <clears throat> excuse me like the special events too you know so, like you said earlier just standing there during jungle rod and just taking a look around taking the scene in and you know, that's a moment that you're probably going to remember for a, a, a real long time.
0: Oh man, and I know we we've already beat loud as hell to death, but the, the pits were insane this year. There was so much energy, and people were there for hours at a time. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I brought my backup glasses because uh, <laughs> I ended up needing them. Is that how you I broke made the it glasses? All the... Sorry, is that how you
0: broke the glasses?
1: I was in the Jungle Rot Pit. <laughs> I don't even, it was kind of dark. Somebody just fucking nailed me and then my glasses flew off. I whip out my phone with my flashlight to try and find them. I couldn't fucking see shit, right? I was like, Velma, where are my glasses? (laughs) And yeah, it was somebody ran by and stomped on them right in front of me. And then somebody picked up the fucking mangled frame and was like, here you go, man. Tried to put it back on my face. I was just like, no. (laughs) Yeah, they had like two songs left or something. I just decided to walk back to camp because I was pretty bummed out. But I'd already gotten a lot of footage of them and moshed for like, (laughs) I don't know how long the fucking set was. But I felt like I moshed for them for like
0: 30 minutes at least. My brother accompanied me this year and he didn't bring runners. So he ended up going into the pit and I believe it was the convalescence. But he went into the pit with sandals and his baseball cap. He came out with neither. So I ended up finding the baseball hat and somebody else just a little while later came by with the sandal. It was really strange. Like I didn't know how they identified the person who was missing a shoe.
1: Well, it's good that
0: he got it back. (laughs) I thought so too.
1: Like had a huge scratch across it. And I was just like, uh, I'm good. And then when we got back to the hat, the fucking optometrist was like, yeah, you definitely should have kept the frames. I could have fixed it. Oh shit. I was like,
0: shit yeah that sucks so you ended up getting rid of the frames then before getting back to the medicine hat there yeah I I chucked him in the garbage at our camp it doesn't seem like something that could be fixed it's such such a small amount of metal
1: yeah they were nice Ray-Ban frames too I made a joke I said I'll send the bill for repairing my glasses to jungle (laughs) rot
0: Could you imagine if bands were in charge of incidentals like that, like ripped shirts or broken glasses, lost clothing? Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't want to pay that. No, I don't think any band would do They'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> Take care of each other out there. <laughs> <laughs> there was that big Russian dude. Did you see him? Oh man, he was like fucking what six nine or something. Yeah, he looked insane. Like he was just, and then there was that yeah. massive Viking dude that was just standing in the pit that wouldn't move. People are like we see the one off that- of him.
1: Weird around. Yeah, that guy's so sick. He came to alt waves. He's got like Vulcan, He's got like all of his wristbands from all these like European festivals, like Hellfest and Vulcan and stuff. He's got it all stitched on his vest on the back
0: that's cool i didn't see that for some reason but what i thought was interesting is he was standing there completely straight (laughs) stance and people were just they'd plow into him but he wouldn't move yeah
1: yeah i've moshed with that guy a few times now he's solid
0: jumping back into music and i don't think we touched on this last time but are there any non-musical influences which you've chosen to incorporate into your music non-musical like what do you mean So, like, if you're thinking of film or literature, different types of books or even games? Yeah. I mean, friends and family, that kind of stuff.
1: I'm really... I'm a big uh, World War II buff. And obviously with that came a lot of interest in the Ukraine-Russian conflict. Um, When I wrote the song Shell Shocked, I feel like the conflict was just getting going um and i was imagining what it would be like to be a soldier maybe ukrainian just under constant uh artillery fire and basically living your life in a fucking tiny little trench right and you get the shell shock going on and it's it causes all kinds of mental problems, you know, t- for the soldiers, the PTSD, the, the uh, sensory overload. Yeah, it just basically puts them in mental hell and physical hell because there's fucking debris flying all over, shrapnel, you know, like, it's hell. And, yeah, I think I was inspired by that to, with uh, Shell Shocked.
0: It's a terrifying thought, like, you're you're living in these dugout trenches like you said in different bunkers trying to catch a few hours of sleep and you're on under the threat of constant bombardment by the other side have you ever been to the military museums in calgary
1: no but uh i'm supposed to go with keith keith o'coin we're supposed to go together sometime soon
0: shout out keith all waves <laughs> i was happy to see him this year too Hell yeah! With the military museums, um, you should go. They're they're amazing. They have everything. They have a really cool Cold War display right now, which actually has an F eighteen Hornet there. They have a lot of different displays, so I don't want to ruin it at all. But I took my daughter there for the first time. She actually picked out a couple of pictures on the internet of places she wanted to go, and she chose that. So she wanted to see the guns and the planes and the the vehicles and stuff. But when you're older and you're walking through, they have these really they're not interactive displays, but you get the sense of actually being there, if that makes sense. And for somebody who understands kind of what went down, the loss of life and the outcome of the different wars, it was quite emotional and just, in a a bad way, breathtaking. And it's something that I think that I should visit more just because it, it brings you back to reality and makes you humble, more thankful for what we do have.
1: Right, and appreciative of the sacrifice that these brave men and women made, you know, Mm -hmm. it's crazy what they, what they did to go and and go across the the ocean and defeat the Nazis or whatever it was that they had to do, you know, it's insane. And a lot of them never made it back. And yeah, the ultimate sacrifice so that we could sit
0: here and have this conversation today about music, you know? (laughs) No doubt. And it, it's strange that people... I mean, I guess I have two different positions on this because I think war is stupid and it should never happen. However, I also think yeah. that a military is necessary to to defend your country, yeah. and it's strange to me that people can't see that dichotomy. They they're just fully against the military, mind you. I guess mm-hmm. I understand when it becomes a business and it start to, like in, invasion becomes incentivized. Right. Um, what What would Ukraine look like today if they didn't
1: have a military?
0: No doubt, it wouldn't be Ukraine.
1: It would be Russia and they'd be trying to erase their identity as a nation, you know.
0: It's never good talking about this kind of stuff, but I think that it is important for people to understand the ins and outs, like it's not just a straightforward invasion either. There's a lot of a lot of history yeah. between those two countries, but there's a lot of things that say as western countries we've done that hasn't helped the cause either. True, yeah. A topic that has come up a few times with previous guests since we last chatted is the fact that sometimes they are influenced heavily by what they're currently listening to. Some of those guests choose not to listen to music uh, while they're writing because they're aware of how much it changes their own sound. Have you noticed this with yourself or Crimson Calibre as a whole?
1: Yeah, um, well, when I listen to a really good thrash band, for example, and I, I hear how good the riffs are, I can never pull it off that good, anyways, so I don't have to worry about copying them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, totally. Um, I've just been listening to Trader a lot lately. From I don't Germany. know if you're into them.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're great. And, and Lawrence on, uh, shit. When was it? It was earlier on in well, obviously earlier on in year two. I think it was just at the beginning. So like maybe episode sixty three ish.
1: I thought you talked with one of their members. That's fucking sick, man.
0: Let's see if I remembered. Um, that guy was crazy because he's a geophysicist and taught me a little bit about what he does. And it's pretty cool. It's also interesting that w- the world of geophysics and metal met. Let me just see if I actually got the name right. Yeah. Bet you I messed that up. Yeah, that's awesome. I listen to
1: them a lot lately and their riffs are absolutely insane.
0: You talked about the riffs being difficult and you not being able to do them, but that wouldn't stop you from trying and, and <laughs> trying to get there like you're you don't seem the kind of guy who just say i'm not good enough fuck it
1: i was partially joking <laughs> and uh, also paying a compliment to some of the other bands out there um but i just have a totally different style of riffs and you know i guess sometimes i write something and i think oh hey that kind of sounds like this band or that band but it's never quite the same and so i'm never worried about being like oh shit this sounds exactly like Traitor because i've been listening to them for the last month or two you know I, it never crossed my mind as something that oh i should i should stop listening to other thrash bands when i'm writing thrash songs you know i might get an, a new idea and then i'll i'll pull off that riff in my own way so that it doesn't sound like that you know
0: and so some of the things you're looking for are probably like the competency and and the effectiveness i guess of the of the riff yeah 100 percent. i just looked at my episodes here and so i was wrong it's not episode 63 it was episode 55 and what's funny is episode 63 was actually keith from all waves oh okay <laughs> yeah I... <laughs> i'm gonna chat with him here soon he's pretty he's pretty good shit too
1: oh yeah he's a great guy we went to the same high school
0: I was a grade ahead of him. And that was in the hat, correct? Yeah. Crescent Heights high. You know what? Um, I had some family down there and they went, I think my mom actually went to Crescent Heights high when she lived in medicine hat. that was obviously quite a while ago, but she lived there when it was just a small town. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I had some family members
1: go there as well. graduate in like the early seventies.
0: That would be so crazy if they actually knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would I mean small town, right? Yeah. Small world. Totally. Last time we also chatted a bit about your favorite bands and some of those you listed were Megadeth, Behemoth, Slipknot Hell Yeah, Havoc, Mudvane, and Warbringer, just to name a few. Lately, who has been on your current heavy rotation? You mentioned Trader.
1: Yeah. Um Oh man, I listened to quite a bit. Uh the new Overkill. I've that was a good album. Rocking my shirt today. Yeah those guys are crazy they put a new album out like every like year or two and they they never seem to miss like a cycle when it comes to releasing an album it's insane um fuck i'm kind of drawing a blank honestly warbringer i I always listen to lots and lots of warbringer uh havoc i just uh i just bought a t-shirt a havoc t-shirt off somebody marketplace for 10 bucks nice so yeah, yeah i had to put Get more havoc back in my rotation. <laughs> oh, fuck, there is another couple bands. It's on my Spotify list. I wonder if I could just go quickly to it right now. That shouldn't. Can you still hear me? Totally. Okay. I'll tell you right now. So
0: yeah, uh, Necrokinesis. They just released a new album I've been- too. With- Is that the one you're talking about?
1: Is it A Force Made Flesh? I
0: don't remember the title, but all I remember right now is the artwork. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, That
1: was a suggestion from uh, my buddy Kevin. Another band, not necessarily Thrash, but that Beast in Black. I don't know if you've heard of those guys. It's kind of like power metal with a little bit of folk in there and stuff. Yeah, those guys have been heavy in my rotation. It's just so much energy and they're a lot of fun to listen to.
0: I always get Beast in Black confused with another power metal band that has a very similar name and right now I'm I'm drawing a blank, but I'll figure it out. And it's not because they're it's not because they're similar, it's just the names I just always switch them in my head for some reason.
1: Right. Yeah. I hate doing that. So many bands out there nowadays too. It's tough
0: to remember. <laughs> Well, and I'm trying to keep up on every weekly release. So when I go through and I listen to an album, I'm like, oh, this is really good. But I, I don't have the time to remember all the songs or the name of the album necessarily. Mm-hmm. But the artwork always sticks out for me. So sometimes I'll forget the name of a band or the name of the album. But it's like, no, I really like that one. So I've been making a concerted effort to actually, if I really enjoy the album, make sure that I save it and make sure that I go back and dive into it a bit deeper when I do have the chance.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that ties back to the bright colors and we, we like to pick interesting images that are bright colors with a lot of contrast in them so that it clicks your memory. And yeah, it's like you said, sometimes you'll remember the album cover and you won't necessarily remember the name of the album or even sometimes the name of the band, but you just remember, Oh, what was that purple fucking album cover that looks so sick. And then you go back and Oh, there it is. And yeah, I've had people tell me that they'll buy albums just based on, if it has a really, really interesting or awesome looking cover, they'll buy it without even listening to the music. Hey, if
0: we could, if we can get our music into the hands of a few more of those type of people, why not? Exactly. Like there's a lot of times when I'm, I'm a little bit more discerning with the genres that that I listen to because I know it gravitates towards certain ones. But if, if there's a release that's from a different genre, but they have a sick album, I'll be like, or a sick album cover, I'm like, I have to check this out just, just because the artwork's so cool.
1: Yeah, that's how I discovered Hammerfall actually, and Winter Sun. They were just random purchases. Picked them up at the used music store.
0: For somebody with your musical tastes, it's interesting to me that you like power metal. <laughs> yeah. I saw hammer fall live and I don't think I've ever seen a crowd like there was no mosh pit. And for me, it's really strange at a metal show, not to see a mosh pit, but everybody in the venue was singing along and the engagement that came from the audience, it was just, it was a totally different type of energy and they put on a wicked show.
1: No kidding. I'm jealous that you saw them. I'm a pretty big fan. I've got a couple of their albums on vinyl and a couple of other ones on CD. Uh, they came Not to me with
0: Sabaton and we they were at, uh, I think it was still called Flame Central or it may have been the Palace at the time. Up until like up until I started this podcast, Sabaton was really the only power metal band that I really enjoyed because I didn't quite understand it and I guess it, a lot of it just didn't click. But in seeing yeah. more bands that played with them, because I've seen them three times now, they came twice in the same year at one point, I just, I've had more of appreciation for it and especially talking with some of the guests on the show, it's like now it's finally starting to click. Totally. I love Sabaton as well. Uh, Another one, if you haven't heard of
1: Equilibrium yet, I think you'd really dig those guys too. Okay. Got that power metal, folk y feel with a little, it's got a tinge of that uh, Viking uh, lyrical content at times. Mm -hmm. It's a super great band.
0: I think I listened to their Renegades album and I do agree with you. I haven't listened to any of the other stuff, but it looks like they just came out with a new single called Shelter.
1: Okay, I don't think I've heard that one yet. Uh, their song Born
0: to be Epic is a lot of fun. I'll definitely check that out, because there are a few albums deep, so i gotta I got to dive in.
1: Yeah, I mean, m- maybe for me, it's a little bit easier for me to just binge on the power metal and maybe other genres. Because, you know, if you listen to 100% thrash, sometimes you get a little tired of listening to 100% thrash, you know, just like any genre. And I'm playing thrash all the time. I'm playing this, you know, extreme, extreme form of thrash, I guess. And, you know, I get my jollies off doing what we do a lot of the time for this genre. And then I can go home and listen to, like, some Beast in Black and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Or whatever good thrash bands out there right now, too. That's always good. Like, Suicidal Angels, really like them. Sorry to interrupt you. No, don't
0: be. I'll definitely check them out, too. Um, we touched on your artwork now a couple times, and I'm not familiar with the artist. C- correct me if I'm wrong, that, that's Psycho Part? Psycho Part. Psycho Part.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And he worked on your album, Covenant Tyrannus, as well. Yeah, we commissioned him to do Covenant Tyrannus. Okay. How did you originally we come did across that him, and who are some of the other bands that he's worked with? How did we come across yeah. him?
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that's going back to, like, 2018. When we, or maybe even 2017, when I got the Manufactured Genocide uh, artwork from him, I can remember at that time I was doing a lot of digging with these, you know, online artists. I wanted something that reminded me of Ed Repka. Mm. Are you familiar with Repka? He's oh, yeah. done a lot of Rest in Peace and a lot of the Death stuff. So I wanted something that had that kind of style, almost cartoony. Uh, characters on it and I really found that with Psychop art I found he was affordable as well and very easy to work with despite him being I think he's from the Philippines
0: and that's obvious those are the reasons that you keep going back you enjoy the artwork the price point is perfect for you guys and now you guys have a long-standing relationship
1: (laughs) yeah Yep, that's right. We've purchased quite a few from him now, plus some t-shirt artwork as well. The Trigger Hungry one, um, what we call Devil's Tower. Another one that's like the, uh, it's black and white. The skeletal figure with the inverted cross at the bottom.
0: So yeah, we've purchased like three or four t-shirt artworks from him as well. It's really good that you can have the same or the same artist work with both your merch and your album. I know a lot of bands kind of do have different artists for different things, but it's nice when you can go back to somebody that's dependable for you guys.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, if there was somebody that was like from Canada that was doing something similar that uh, had a comparable price range, I'd probably consider going with them as well.
0: I think one of the kickers for me nowadays, and as much as I love AI art, I think that going to an actual artist is something that if I was making music that I would make an effort to do at all times.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a very polarizing topic. Uh, I've generated some really cool stuff. Would I use it for my band? No. Just because that work deserves to to go to a, a human, you know?
0: I totally agree. I I mean, I understand that it's cheaper, it's easier. You can kind of plug in your own, your own formula and get pretty much what you want. But other than typing in prompts, it doesn't really take a talent to do. Yeah, I mean, unless you're talented at prompts,
1: <laughs> exactly. if you consider that a talent. <laughs> what some people are able to generate is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And then I try to do it and I get like a couple squiggles in a circle.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to be an artist after this and I plugged it in and I was like, that still looks like shit <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I've had some duds for sure I've had some cool ones as well but they just stay in, the, in a folder I don't really do anything with it Maybe I'll use it for like my hip-hop project that I don't really profit from or perform with or even have the, the tracks on Spotify
0: What's the reason for that, that you don't want to release this stuff? Or is it just something that you kind of want to keep for yourself?
1: It's not professionally engineered or mastered. And I did all that myself. I'm not a professional when it comes to mixing or mastering. And I've gotten a lot better, but I just don't feel that uh, it's Spotify worthy yet. It's good enough for SoundCloud.
0: (laughs) Are you kind of using that for, for learning as well? so that you can eventually mix and master your own stuff? Totally. I mean, all skills that you learn
1: in this field, you can apply them in other areas. And, like, just since I started, uh, I mean, my computer recently got wiped and I lost a lot of shit. So I'm kind of back to square one with my production and uh, hip-hop recording and stuff like that. But... Around the time that I really started pumping out these tracks, I learned a lot about making scratch tracks for, for guitar as well. And so then I was able to get my songs onto the computer and convey my ideas to the rest of the band and eventually into the studio as a form of pre-production, right? So you go into the studio and you have something to record to, not just uh, what's in your head, I guess. Mm -hmm. You have all the tempo figured out and yeah, you have something to go off of and
0: yeah. Before we wrap things up, I have a couple personal questions if you're okay with it. Sure. So I've noticed that there are a good number of couples who play in the same band and most time it seems to be a thing that makes the relationship stronger for you. What are some of the benefits of having a partner in both a romantic relationship and the same band?
1: Benefits were, always carpooling so <laughs> it's uh, it's easier to get the two of us into this into the same room you know because we're always together um writing music practicing amber and i are a really good team for just getting together and practicing our material it's uh it's like when you have a partner to go to the gym with you have a you got a workout buddy you know uh, we have
0: we're practice buddies you know from an outsider's perspective, it seems like as a couple that you guys are quite strong as well. So it seems to be a benefit on both sides.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think the marriage really brought us together.
0: As it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's been good, and it's it's our hobby. It's our you know it's our passion. It's it's what we like to do together. Play music, and you know. Nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent perfect. You know, we have our moments where we don't agree. And, but at the end of the day, you know, we love each other and we just keep moving forward. And I don't even know what it would be like if I was in this project with someone else in, instead of Amber, you know, it probably wouldn't be as much fun.
0: On the flip side of things, are there any areas in which you find this dynamic a little bit more difficult to deal with? And how do you both overcome those challenges? I mean, difficult to deal with? I don't think so. Um,
1: I was in a band before, and it was just four guys, and it was more difficult because, you know, we were always bickering. We didn't have that calming female presence to bring us all back down to earth sometimes when, you know, when the boys get get going. Um, So, yeah, I don't think... I don't think it's more difficult at all. I think it helps us a lot.
0: Do you feel that being so connected to somebody outside of the music makes your music better or more personal? And if so, how? Outside of the music? Oh, like outside of the band? Well, I mean, you and Amber are connected through the band, but you're also connected outside. Do you feel that that connection outside of the band is beneficial to the music and makes it more personal? Totally, because when we take time off
1: from Crimson Caliber, we take time off together, and we do the things that we enjoy. We go for walks. We like to go camping and stuff like that. Although we haven't done that nearly as much as we'd like to, we go camping a loud as hell. So um, we go to music festivals together, and you know, we don't necessarily always have to be thinking about Crimson Caliber. And but then when we do, and it's time to get back, you know, in shape back on the grind, whatever it might be, we're there and we're fully committed and it's easy. That time off together helps us. When we go back to the project, it feels fresh again.
0: It seems like you both continuously push each other to do better in both your personal life and your musical life.
1: I try. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what good partners do for each other, right? You gotta have each other's back
0: last time we chatted a little bit about music as a coping mechanism, is this something that you both can share while listening to kind of quote each other, each other's music, despite any differences in your musical taste?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, she's a little bit more on the metalcore spectrum of things. I don't think I mentioned one metalcore band, but, uh, and then I'm obviously more thrash and death metal, but, uh, you know, we connect in other areas of music too. Like, for example, we're both, pretty passionate about hip hop and yeah she we have our own spotify playlists obviously we haven't merged the accounts yet and uh yeah i don't mind listening to hers she doesn't mind listening to mine too much
0: (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could say the same my wife hates most metal but there are some songs that i get her jamming to okay maybe some beast in black uh, mate, I don't really know. Like, she's all over the place. Sometimes she'll like things with uh, with a little bit more melody. Sometimes she'll like something like Lorna Shores to the Hellfire. And it throws me for a loop because I'm like, you don't like any of their other songs. So what is it about this song specifically that sh- she likes? And I don't even think she can answer it, to be honest.
1: Yeah. It's just something it's that, me- that clicks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so the new EP, Destined for Delusion, is coming out on November 3rd. That's right. Perfect. I didn't check before this, and then I felt like an asshole if I got it wrong. So great. Um, and where are you guys releasing it? Like uh, Spotify, YouTube, all that, all the th- socials? Yeah,
1: absolutely. We go through DistroKids, so it's a really good platform for independent artists for getting your music up on a ton of platforms. And I feel like we gave ourselves a little bit of extra time to, to promote the album this time. And uh, I think the more time that you have, the more uh, playlists Spotify will place it on. Ideally, you want a lot of people going and clicking on the pre-save link, which we've tried to blast out there a shitload. You want people clicking on that pre-save link so it sends a signal to Spotify and all the other platforms that there is significant interest in this release. And then they're going to put it on more platforms, or sorry, more playlists. (laughs) Interesting, I didn't know that. The new Metal and... All those sort of stuff, like new metal releases, stuff like that, some popular playlists. It's interesting. There's definitely a way to use that to your advantage. Totally. It's You almost don't even need a record label anymore. If you have a significant enough uh, following on your social media accounts, you can do it all yourself. And we're seeing lots and lots of bands do that.
0: I think it's good that the tides are turning in that direction. Now that we're recording this just about two months from the release of your album We're just over, sorry. What are some last minute things you have to do before the release?
1: Well, we still have to get design the physical layout of, of uh, the physical copies. And then I have to put that order in and get those. We're planning on having them ready for November 3rd. Whether we hit that target or we get them shortly after, I'm not certain yet. Um, What else? We... I want to do a little bit more in terms of paid promo. I want to go for some kind of a promotional package from uh, like a fairly popular website and try to boost us a little bit that way. Maybe pay for a little bit of promotion on a a platform like uh, Facebook or YouTube, if I have a little bit extra in my budget. Yeah,
0: might as well go balls to the wall.
1: Yep, you only have one chance to make your release perform.
0: That's true, especially with the amount of metal albums that come out every year. It's it's crazy. You have to be able to release your tendrils, I guess, a little bit further. Totally.
1: A lot of people aren't even interested in EPs right off the bat. And I try to tell people, like, This is a, it's not just a two, three songs and done. This is, this is almost 20 minutes. It's going to take up a little bit of your time. Like I remember feeling ripped off when I purchased uh, the most recent municipal waste EP. It had the, it had wave of death on it. I don't know if you, if you know the release I'm talking about or not, but I paid like 20 bucks for it and it didn't even have the runtime. Wasn't even 12 minutes on it It was like 1156. I was just like, God damn, I paid like full album price for
0: this. No shit. If you're if you're releasing an EP, you kind of have to make a price point that that's reflective of what you've put into the, to the release, and that could mean whether it be an album, EP, or even just a single. Like you can't be charging people obscene amounts of money for something that a lot of other artists would do for cheaper, if that makes sense. And I don't. I'm not trying to say everyone should go cheaper and cheaper, but if you're only putting getting twelve minutes out of it, it's kind of a ripoff
1: yeah i mean we're only charging 10 bucks for Death and for delusion uh i think that's that's fair i think municipal wastes almost 12 minutes for 20 bucks was a little outlandish
0: yeah i would agree with that travis it was a pleasure chatting with you again today and i'm looking forward to hearing the new music i've only heard the new singles that are out are you planning on releasing any other singles prior to the release of the uh, the ep sorry
1: um we are going to release a playthrough video of the title track destined for delusion which hasn't been released yet we're going to release that on youtube probably about a week before maybe or maybe a couple days before awesome
0: it's not set in stone yet you'll figure it out yeah (laughs) (laughs) thanks again for joining me man i appreciate it
1: hell yeah man it's been a pleasure thanks for having me on and uh, we've got pre-orders open right now on our Bandcamp for Destined for Delusion. You can pre-order it digitally right now. Thanks so much for the support, everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.